Hi, welcome to the No Contact Club. Uh, you're here with Chloe and not Portia this week. Um, <laughs> Portia's really sick and she's kind of lost her voice, which is sort of essential when you're doing podcasts. So this week uh, is my wife Ellen's debut. Hi, Ellen. Hi, it's my <laughs> debut. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't want to do it all by myself because it's kind of hard to perfect the banter uh, on your own. So Ellen stepped up to the plate. Do I you want to say anything about yourself? Mm, not really much to offer here. Uh, <laughs> um, Give me three facts about you. Go. Oh, oh God. Dogs are my favorite things. Yeah. My favorite flavor of coffee is caramel. And I never remember my passwords. Those are the three things that came to mind. And that's <laughs> not at all interesting. <laughs> What's funny is that we have notes for like each episode, Portia and I, and I've got obviously notes for this episode and I've kind of like written down a couple of things of what we want to talk about, but those three things aren't even there. Like, it's not like I said, oh, I'm going to ask you three facts or have three facts ready. Those are just the three facts that came into your head. And it's sad that that's how <laughs> bad my imagination or my, um, not imagination, my mind. Memory? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Something. Um... Yeah, so Ellen will be joining us this week and maybe next week if Portia's still not feeling up to it. I'll see um, how I go. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to come back. See if the fans want me back. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting up there with fans. I actually have to look at the numbers again, mm. but um, yeah. So one thing I wanted to mention is that something Portia and I had talked about is that we, we really would like to get into recommending books to you guys. Um, so I'm reading a book right now called Complex PTSD by Pete Walker and it's so good. It's like he goes into detail about like family dynamics and like um, kind of what we touch on like scapegoat and golden child that sort of stuff but even deeper um, and yeah it's just been really like I know Ellen and I have come home to you and been like holy crap this book like <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So Portia and I kind of had the idea that we could um, not every week or anything like that, but just when we read them or when we, um, yeah, when we read them, we can, um, give reviews and sort of discuss a bit about the book. And, and if you guys have any requests, like let us know, cause I love reading. So, um, oh, you also love reading. I am a huge book nerd. I get told that pretty much every day. What are you reading at the moment? I am reading, uh, a really interesting one, actually. It's called, uh, Dr. Seuss, or Soyce, I believe it's pronounced, goes to war. <laughs> if uh, you're fancy. If you're fancy. Dr. Seuss goes to war the World War II editorial cartoons of Theodore Seuss Geisel uh, by Richard H. Menea. And it's basically just a history of before Dr. Seuss was a famous children's author. That he did so cool. He did a lot of historical um, newspaper editorial cartoons and... Um, American. He's quite political, eh? He's, he, was, they he, was, were, he was very political, and yeah. a lot of them are, you know, anti-Nazi, anti-fascist, and it's so interesting and so weird to see yeah. Dr. Seuss-style uh, cartoons, but with Hitler and yeah, Mussolini. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because, like, so many kids who like his books would not, like, associate. Like, mm -mm, you, I mean, no. you just don't. Like, no, yeah, and, so and, and I never... I, I think I heard of, like, um, ages ago that he did... 
political cartoons, but I never really like, saw them much. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm kind of looking at them, and it's 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 really strange. But yeah, um, yeah. but it is um, it is a really interesting book. So I'm only just sort of started that one. But uh, do you have any more on the go? Ellen likes to read a billion books at mm-hmm, once. It's true. Um, <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm also reading. I've just finished a book called Broken Faith. Um, about yeah. the Word of Faith Fellowship. Uh, wow, that was mind blowing. Uh, Isn't it like a cult? It's a cult. Yeah, it's a cult. Uh, it's a Christian cult, and it's just insane. They've got stories of survivors, and interestingly enough, it covers a lot of psychological tactics that oh. the group uses um, to to keep control of their members. It's really interesting. They talk about, um, you know, rug sweeping, yeah, and actually, yeah. Uh, denial, and it's 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 really interesting to see the. Uh, Let's just say the commonalities between uh, a narcissist and a cult leader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, so that's been, that was a really interesting um, book as well. Well, you're doing a reading challenge, right? Yes. For the yeah. whole year? Yeah. I'm... Okay, so wait, how many books did you, what was your challenge last year? Last year my challenge was 100 books. And how many did you read? 125. <laughs> What's your challenge this year? My challenge this year is up to 115 books. But you know you can hit it because you did 125 last uh, yes, year. Yes, but when I entered in 125 books, it was like an estimate of like uh, like one book every two and a half, three days. And I kind of got really nervous about oh how gosh, much. You know you can so do I, I kind of pulled back a bit. So I've got 115 books this year to read. So wish me luck, everybody. I think you'll get even more than that because now you're listening to audio books as well. Whereas last year, you were, it was True. more just reading physical books. But now you can read as you like what, walk the dog yeah. or exercise or... What genius introduced me to books in another form? Uh, was that Porsche? Uh <laughs> Yes, actually, I think Portia got me onto it. Yeah, Portia's Yay. a big audiobook person. Throw, um, shout out to Portia. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I think we... Oh, actually, before we get into it, I wanted to mention that we were planning on bringing Ellen on anyway um, to kind of talk about her experience as, like, an outsider, I guess, coming into the narcissistic family dynamic and your experiences with my mum and... <laughs> different mm. different things um yes. yeah so so yeah if you you i mean mm-hmm. yeah ellen will be back again um, don't worry guys <laughs> no nobody's worried <laughs> <laughs> they are so worried <laughs> um yeah okay so let's get into it hey while we are knowledgeable about this stuff because of our collective experiences we aren't professionals we research what we talk about and our references are in the show notes but please don't take anything we say as gospel. If you feel like you need support, you can reach out to us at thenocontactclub at gmail.com or see the links in the show notes. Thanks. So today we have a topic that I've wanted to do for a little while. Um, It's about gaslighting, as I'm sure you know, because you read the title of this episode. Um, It's a really, really big uh, topic, I guess. Um, and one of the key tactics that a narcissistic mother or just a narcissist in general will use against um, other people. So it's kind of like mental fog or like crazy making. Like you're just exhausted mentally and to the point where you're like you can't fight back anymore. Um, so in a nutshell, it's psychological manipulation, which is not very nice sounding. Um, it makes you question your own memory, like your own judgment or how you even like perceive 
reality. Like, um, yeah. It can be as simple as um, the narcissistic mother just denying something. So um, a big one for me was me always accusing mum of being drunk after school, knowing she was, seeing it in her face, she's slurring her words, and mum would just flat out deny it. And you just go into this horrible world of like doubting yourself, but like that part of you is like, no, I know this is true. I know this happened and I know this is happening right now. And then you have this person who is trusted and they're like, no, no, it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. So it can be as simple as not simple, but as, as outright as that. And it can even go as far as the person staging events and, and, you know, trying to disorient um, people. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of a weird term gaslighting, but it actually comes from uh, a British play called Gaslight. Uh, all the way from 1938, but it's been made into uh, two films, uh, I think, in the 1940s. Yeah. Uh, so in the play and film, the husband attempts to convince his wife that she is insane by manipulating <laughs> small things and insisting that she's wrong. So in this instance, he slowly dimmed the gaslights in their home, but pretended that nothing was different mm. in an effort to make his wife doubt her own perceptions. She asks to confirm her suspicions about the lights being dimmed, but he insists that nothing has changed. So that's where the gaslighting comes yeah. from. Um, it's so weird. Like, it's such a... Like, it just makes you... Just to even hear that, like, it's just nuts. Like, for someone to insist that you're wrong when you're like, no, I'm certain it's, that, it, you know, yeah, it's something's different. I guess it's it's almost like sort of insisting... That the truth is something completely different, but yeah. but being so blatant about it that yeah. you kind of just have no other option but to yeah. agree in some sort. Especially part. because it's usually within a relationship where somebody has that bit more power over the other person, mm-hmm. and you know, it, like with mum, like she's my mum, so she's not she's not gonna lie to me. She's not gonna, you know, mm. do anything like that. Like you know, you trust these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be, um, gaslighting can be like a conscious, um, thing. So like, like within the play, um, or it can be unconscious. So like, I don't think when my mom was, you know, drunk and slurring her words that she knew what the term gaslighting was. She didn't know she was gaslighting me. She was just lying, you know, <laughs> to cover up her shit. Yeah. Um, so it can cause the person who's uh, being gaslit, gaslighted. <laughs> We've had this discussion. We don't know what the past yes, is. Yes, gaslight. Uh, is that? Gaslit. Gaslit. Um, can cause the person who's suffering from um, cognitive, to, sorry, to suffer from cognitive dissonance, which is hard to get my mouth around. So basically that's like when someone holds two or more beliefs that contradict each other. So like drinking two liters of Coke every day, even though you know it's not good for you. Um, what's some other ones like? Uh, I mean, I, I guess cog- like there's a lot smoking. of examples. Yeah, yeah. smoking. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you. addictive behaviors or a lot of um, I guess mm. like um, yeah, just things that you pleasure seeking behaviors yeah. that might not be great for you, but you still yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like a war within yourself or within the victim because you're seeing something with your own eyes and your brain is like, no, no, this this is what's happening and this is what's true. But, you know, somebody's like, no, no, like, that, that, that's not yeah. right. Um, so narcissists use this tactic a lot. It's, it's, it's a 
form of abuse, but it also undermines victims. You know, you feel like you're crazy. Oh my goodness. You feel like you're going crazy. Um, you doubt what you know to be true. And it gets to the point where you don't even feel like you can trust yourself. Um, only the narcissistic mother yeah. or narcissist in general. And they, they will question, they will question as, as if it's not sick enough already. Mm. They will question your mental health. Like yeah, when yeah. your mum... Yeah, telling me I need help or I need a counsellor. But then I went to the counsellor and ended up talking about mum, of course, because yeah. of, you know, history with drinking and stuff. And um, I told mum how it went and, you know, that we talked about mum. And she said to me that it obviously wasn't working because, you know, that stuff was in the past and whatever was fucking me up now, you know, needed to be discussed. Not, you know, that stuff's in the past, Chloe. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. You know... It's, it's, it's insisting you go to a counsellor f- because your mental health is compromised and then insisting that you don't need to go to a counsellor because all that stuff is in the past. Yeah, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so they, will, so they will question your mental health or even just straight up deny your yeah. reality. Yeah. Like your mum saying, oh, I'm not, I'm not drunk. drunk, I haven't been drinking when yeah. she had. I haven't had any, I can just, like, hear her, like, drunk voice saying, I haven't had anything to drink. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, ugh. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's the goal really is to make the victim question their like sanity and reality. Um, And when that happens, you're kind of dependent, like I said, on that person who has more power because you're like, no, this person's looking after me. My mum looks after me. She's not going to make me feel this way. It must be me. I must be crazy or I'm just a kid. Yeah. What do I know? Like, um, yeah, so some common phrases, I guess, that you might hear are you're crazy, you need help, you have mental issues. So, like, they'll play doctor and, and you know, tell you you've got depression or tell you that you've got anger issues, which I know Portia mm-hmm. has mentioned before that yeah. that was one that was thrown at her. Um, and, you know, I know my mum so many times would play doctor, like, telling us we have fibromyalgia or, you know, a whole <laughs> I, bunch of... Even I can hear her... That's fibro. From, from just, even just, like, the years I've spent, like, with, obviously, in that family dynamic of just, I can hear her voice in my head yeah. saying, fibro. Yeah, anytime something was wrong, <laughs> ooh, that's a sign of fibro, like... Oh, I just amputated cool. my leg, fibro. Yeah, exactly. Calm down, bitch. <laughs> Um, so another common phrase you can hear um, is you're insecure or jealous or mm. you're overreacting, you're too sensitive. My mum's absolute favourite line was, you need to get over it. Um, but that's bullshit because abuse affects anyone regardless of what your sensitivity levels are. And, you know, the impact of that shouldn't mm. be taken lightly. Like if you're offended, if you're upset, if you've been hurt by something, you've been hurt by something, you know. Yeah. You, it's not up to that person to be like, oh, it you was decide. just a joke. Yeah. yeah, you decide. Another another one as well, um, another common phrase is, you know, it was, it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have no sense of humor. Learn to take a joke. This is such a popular verbal abuse tactic. People saying something homophobic, sexist, and racist, or, or sorry, any, or any racist. Kind of, I mean, any to be fair, it could be all three. But and then just sort of claiming, oh, it was a joke. You you so need many get a sense of humour. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But and then says something racist or homophobic or mm, sexist. It's not the and way it works. No, absolutely not. And it's not. It it doesn't compare to actual sort of playful banter or teasing, mm. and which requires 
trust between exactly. people to be funny. You're both you're both on the same ground. Yeah, you're like both you understanding I, yeah, each other. You and I will joke around mm. and say like mean things to each other. Yeah, but because we we're both teasing. know it's a joke, and yeah. I can say something horrible. And we're married. You can say you can you can joke <laughs> with your spouse. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that I'm not actually insulting you. Right, but right. you but know because in, we we trust each other. Whereas, and neither one of us has power over the other. No, exactly. It's just it's a simple. It's we're on the same footing. But yeah, um, I mean, mum would insult us or you know call us names or um mm-hmm. you know knowing or, or, or especially insulting for things they know upset would upset you. you so like I don't even like talking about it but I have my teeth are kind of messed up and mum would sometimes make fun of those or um Portia's ears used to poke out a little bit and she'd make fun of those things that she knew were insecurities already and then avoid apologizing by saying it was just a joke or being like sorry like you know sorry yeah like not not uh genuine at all no and and just the simple fact of of not not even just normal or i guess just like random teasing it was things that she mm-hmm. knew would cut you deep yeah that that she would bring up it's it, yeah it's, it's and it's mental when you realize that it's a mother daughter situation it's mm-hmm. not just some person at school who you not a bully with. Yeah, it sounds exactly. like you're describing a bully because and it is a bully and it's your mother it's yeah um another phrase is you know you need to let it go why are you bringing this up um you know like we said before this is all in the past like that was a common one about mum uh that our mum used to do another one is the whole you're the problem not me so my mum's comment was, what would I talk about in therapy? You know, like, never mind our childhood and issues with alcohol, etc. She had she had been through two marriages and, you know, lost a sister and things that would rock any normal person, you know? Mm. And it was like, what wouldn't you talk about yeah. in therapy? Um, You've got so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also do this thing where they, like, call their victims the narcissists or the abusers. Mum straight up told me that Portia was a narcissist. And I'm like, mm, someone is. Um, the <laughs> narcissistic mother, they're never wrong. Never, ever wrong. Never take any blame. Um, and one of the last phrases is, I never said that or you're imagining things. Like, I love catching people out in lies. I have this epic story of catching mum out in a lie, which I'm not going to tell now because it's so long. Please save it though. Yeah. But I have all the, like, I remember screenshotting the messages, sending them to Portia being like, look at this. I know she's lying to me. This is whole big thing. And then the next morning she's like, oh, I didn't say that. And I'm like, I can see the messages (laughs) when you said that anyway. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it comes down to the fact that it's really, really easy to gaslight a child. Like, a child's whole world revolves around their parents or their caregivers. So, in this case, the narcissistic mother. You know, they set the rules. They decide if that home that the child grows up in is going to be chaotic or comforting or scary or whatever it's going to be. They also dictate how events are interpreted. Um, Yeah, like, taking complete control of something and saying, look at this bad thing that's happening when maybe it's not that bad. Or, mm. um, yeah. Um, I mean, as kids, we're, like, hardwired to look to our mothers for an understanding of how the world works. Like, that's just common knowledge. Well, maybe it's not. But, you know, yeah. um, babies will, when someone new comes into the room, babies will look to their mum 
to see how their mum's reacting. And that that determines their reaction. Exactly, and whether or not they feel safe. Mm. Um, So when that person, that mother, decides that a simple mistake is actually this big inconvenience, like breaking a glass, you know, why do you always do this to me? The child instantly is like, oh, shit, that's my my fault, you know. And that's, it's emotional and verbal abuse. Oh, yeah, straight up. It's abuse, and for so long you didn't label what happened to you as abuse but that's exactly what it is the gaslighting and every other messy part of your childhood yeah that's what that is it's abuse yeah and it's I don't even I still I'm not comfortable labeling it as that because I know and I know this is the same for so many people um I know that so many people are like well yeah it was crap or yeah it was a bit shitty but like you know look at this person they went through this that and the other thing Mm -hmm. And look at that person, you know, they were abused sexually and physically. And, you know, that didn't happen to me. Like, it's someone's always got it worse. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's all relative. And, Mm. and maybe, maybe it wasn't as bad as such and such from down the road, but like, it still didn't. So what? That doesn't take away. Yeah. Mm. And it didn't deserve to happen to that person or me, I guess. Um, yeah, Yeah. So when you're a young child, like verbal abuse and verbal aggression, it, literally changes the development of a, of the child's brain like the the impact of growing up in a home where there's abuse like an abusive environment is like catastrophic like it's so bad mm-hmm. for that child and kids internalize the abuse too it becomes it sorry it becomes this lifelong battle of being like unloved unworthy and i know that's something that i've struggled with i can't speak for any of my sisters um yeah, it's it's even as you grow up, even as you're an adult, dealing with a manipulative parent is impossible, um, and it's trust issues too. Like oh, it's absolutely yeah, it's it's when that main person in your life does not uh, support you or does not give you a solid supportive relationship, like why would you trust anybody else? Yeah, it's a it's a um, you know, a, a ripple effect if if. You know, if the person, if the person's relationship with you isn't great, what's, you know, what's, what are your other relationships going to be like? Mm -hmm. And how is it going to affect your other relationships? In, in the short term, and this is just a short term, children feel shame, fear, Mm -hmm. confusion, many more things in a physiological sense. Things like aches and pains can be the abuse manifesting yeah. in the child's body. Mm-hmm. Difficulty concentrating, muscle tension. We've talked about that. Yeah, I mean, I work with kids and I was looking up how anxiety and depression show in young kids. And it can quite often be as stomach aches or headaches or like a general sort of just not feeling right, you know. and Physically, as, yeah. Yeah, and as an adult, I can feel the feeling and sensation of anxiety and say oh I'm anxious but as a kid they're like I have a weird feeling and I don't know what my it is my tummy's sore my tummy's sore I've, yeah. my head is pain you know yeah, I've got yeah. a headache exactly um so the longer that gaslighting and just general abuse continues the worse and more prolonged these kind of um effects become mm-hmm. um it's not hard to see yeah how yeah um so emotional abuse has long-term effects on the brain and body um severe emotional abuse sorry 
uh, like being gaslit or lighted (laughs) for years, um, among other things, can be just as damaging as physical abuse. So a person who has suffered emotional abuse may experience insomnia, chronic pain, social... I can't talk today. Social withdrawal or loneliness, guilt, anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week... I'm hoping Portia will be back because I really want her... I mean, I'm sure she's sad she's missing out on this episode, but next week we want to talk about, like, mental health repercussions of Which is growing very up. important. Yeah, growing up with a narcissistic um, mother. So we kind of will delve into that, dive into that a bit more. Um, so adults who have been through this can also have difficulty developing relationships with others, maybe sleep disorders... Um, it's really, really hard to establish trust with other people. Mm-hmm. And like overall, there's just this core kind of feeling of like worthlessness. Like you're not worth salt, basically. Yeah. And, and some, the, I mean, the long-term medical issues that can affect people who have been subjected to emotional abuse can include a, a huge range of things. But, I mean, headaches eating disorders substance use and substance use disorders they're some really common ones um and it's they can often uh, overlap especially yeah. oh definitely um, and i mean you know we've got we've we we've got examples of that um yeah well i get headaches all the time <laughs> literally mean, every day yeah i mean you get headaches and migraines yeah i mean i don't abuse substances like i don't really drink and I wonder why you don't. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I don't I don't do any drugs or anything like that, but I definitely have issues with food and yeah, I mean that's also an episode that I'm really looking forward to because Portia and I have both said if we could change one thing about our upbringing, like that sorry that like the outcomes, I wouldn't take away my depression. I wouldn't take away my anxiety. I wouldn't take away my negative sort of self self esteem. Sorry, I would take away my food issues because yeah. they are like the single biggest thing that I really struggle with, and yeah. they stem directly from my childhood. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is getting deep. And again, yeah, those and it's it's painful how common I guess food mm. issues can be well, and are. It's a comfort um, thing. It's exactly. Yeah. It's a comfort thing. It's something that you physically need Mm. and it's something that your family or your mother or your parent teaches you about and is involved in the process Mm -hmm. of cooking and making you food and everything like that so it sort of is quite central to life in general Mm. so if you have a dysfunctional relationship with food then you can see how this stuff affects adults yeah Yeah. down the line maybe maybe you should come on our food episode too (laughs) very knowledgeable i'm kind of just (laughs) just inserting myself just, just you know, just, ba- just banter, yeah. you know, between I wives. Mean, Portia and I always go off on tangents, so this is really fitting. <laughs> oh, good. I'm maybe, fitting right into yeah. the no contact hub. Maybe you'll take Portia's job. Um, <gasps> just joking, Portia. Um, yeah, so basically my therapist describes this as crazy making. She says it's crazy making. And th- that's exactly what it is and exactly what it feels like. So Portia and I have talked before, and I think actually Bridie and I as well, about just doubting everything that happened to us, doubting our experiences, doubting our memories. I remember reassuring Bridie that something did happen the way she was remembering it and vice versa, you know. When you've been gas lit or gas lighted, 
uh, for so long, you just, it's so easy to look back and think, am I remembering this the way it happened or am I remembering it the way I want it to happen, the way someone else wants me to remember it? It's getting back into the reality after this whole lifetime of manipulation and abuse is so, so hard. You just end up in this endless loop of like self-doubt and it's so so horrible yeah um I mean obviously getting space from that abuser is helpful and from Portia and I and Bridie sorry that was just a complete change in point of view for us and shed this like massive light on our entire entire experience I mean two years ago I never would have said that my mother was a narcissist that she was abusive, that, you know, mm-hmm. we had a shitty childhood. We were always kind of like, oh, it was an all right childhood, you know. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. We made do. Yeah, know. and, you know, mum did the best she could, but, like, she Bullshit. didn't. She didn't. <laughs> and it's, and again, it's that um, physical, if you get physical distance from, yeah, from the narcissistic mother or, you know, whoever the narcissist is, it, it makes it a lot easier to kind of get space and clarity and you know just sort of away from it all I guess you know and physical yeah that physical distance means you can I guess clear your head to the best of your abilities um another thing is developing self-trust to just like really get in touch with how you really feel rather than having someone else say you know like deciding your own reality for you yes um, and just seeing the big picture. And I mean, a third party can kind of help with that as well. So maybe a therapist or even just a trusted friend or in my case, you know, like you yeah. um, and Bridie's partner. And yeah, just Outs- getting some outsiders, I guess, who's not a part of that dynamic. Because as we've talked about before and we'll talk about again, there are people who are within that dynamic who just can't see that it's toxic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess I guess it's hard as well when you're so physically and emotionally close and mm. closed in in that dynamic that mm. you need you can't you physically can't see from the outside looking no, in you no. you need someone to say from my experience this dynamic is not healthy yeah. or yeah. or this is this is wrong yeah and it. it you know, I think a lot of people have that whole, oh, I can't believe I didn't see it at the time. Mm. And I, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But why didn't I see this coming or that sort of thing? And it's, it's, you can't see like, it. yeah, we, when you're in it, you, you can't know, see it. and it really does take someone else to, to react appropriately mm-hmm. and to bring their experiences in and say, yeah. by the way, I don't think this is normal. Um, so I think a lot of the time it's sad because a lot of people who are gaslit, <laughs> gaslighted, we need to figure that out. Yeah. We need to figure out the correct term. People who have been gaslit, <laughs> they they tend to blame themselves to a degree yeah. um, and blame the like the, how long the abuse went on for or, or how severely it affected them when in reality it it's – not their fault how mm. I guess woven into that dynamic they were yeah. and it's 
you know, I guess it's, it's coming not to terms. Easy to get out. Yeah, I guess it's coming to terms with that, mm. with with a support, you know, a support network around you. Yeah, hopefully. you definitely need um, that support network. Um, I think I feel like we've not rushed through it, but gotten through it. Sure, sweet. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we originally wanted to do um, a portion of about triangulation in this episode too. I know we've already kind of mentioned it, but. With Portia being sick, I just thought it was easier to just stick to one mm. topic. Um, but hopefully it's still been helpful and informative and you haven't hated the sound of Ellen's Australian accent. No, I'm teasing. I it's lo- barely there I love, anymore. It's I love your there. accent. It's okay. You have a nice Australian accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so feel free to reach out. Um, we actually got an email, but I haven't replied to it yet. A really, really lovely one, which hopefully I'll read out some next week because it's really really sweet from a lady in south africa um yeah yeah that was so nice yeah um but yeah feel free to reach out if you want to vent or share your story or even give us feedback please we are not just say hi yeah we're not professional recommend us a book yes i love book please recommend us books yeah or just me whatever (laughs) uh ellen's email is yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, so hopefully Portia will be feeling better soon and be back on her feet and with us again next week. Otherwise, we'll have the lovely Ellen and maybe even Bridie if we can figure out. Yeah. She doesn't live in Auckland, but we can maybe figure out how to get her on with us at the same time. We, um, Bridie and I can do a takeover of the oh, podcast. Okay, no, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so thank you so much for listening, guys. And I hope this episode has been helpful and... Um, yeah yeah thank you for listening to the sound of my voice (laughs) and again i'm looking forward to hearing some responses because i've I've really enjoyed the emails you guys have been getting you've been you've had so much support so it's so it's just so awesome it's really so yeah thank you guys for listening and if i catch you next week (laughs) i catch you next week otherwise goodbye (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys stay classy